Hello, my rebels. Today I tell you the most startling announcement by Seamus O'Regan, the dumbest of the cabinet ministers. Uh, I thought for sure they were against oil and gas and carbon, but then I saw an announcement by O'Regan that he's going to subsidize about a quarter billion dollars worth of oil and gas. What gives? I'll do my best to explain. That's ahead, but before I let you get to that, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's basically the video version of this podcast, plus weekly video shows by Sheila Gunn-Reed and David Menzies. Great TV, I must say. And it's cheaper than Netflix. It's only eight bucks a month. Just go to rebelnews.com, click subscribe. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, does Trudeau want to phase out oil or subsidize it? Depends on what province the oil comes from. It's September 28th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. news that Justin Trudeau believes in phasing out the oil sands. He has said so too many times to count. Here's just one example. I've said time and time again, and you're all tired of hearing me say it, uh, you can't make a choice between what's good for the environment and what's good for the economy. Uh, we can't shut down the oil sands tomorrow. Uh, we need to phase them out. We need to manage the transition off of our dependence on fossil fuels. That was a couple years back, and here it is in the throne speech just last week. Canada cannot reach net zero without the know-how of the energy sector and the innovative ideas of all Canadians, including people in places like British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Newfoundland and Labrador. The government will support manufacturing, natural resource, and energy sectors as they work to transform to meet a net zero future creating good-paying and long-lasting jobs. Here's another recent example, if you need more convincing. Uh, to Lena's uh, question about decarbonization as part of our economic plan going forward, of course, it has to be part of it. And here's Seamus O'Regan in a three-way tie with Catherine McKenna and Stephen Gilbo for the dumbest cabinet minister. I mean, let's just be honest about that, okay? Here he is saying that he loves these certain things about Alberta. He says, Alberta is hydrogen. Alberta is batteries. Alberta is carbon capture technology. Alberta is geothermal energy. Alberta is electric vehicles. Alberta is vital to Canada's clean energy future. N none of that's true. Alberta is oil and gas. Uh, everything else listed there is a gimmick, a stunt or in the case of the Liberals, a lobbyist scam to get grant money. There are no electric vehicles made in Alberta. There are none. Actually, there's none made anywhere in Canada. Uh, there are a few gimmicky hybrids made in Ontario, but every single vehicle manufactured for commercial use in Canada, they run on gasoline or diesel. Seamus O'Regan might not be lying to you, though, because lying means that he knows that he's wrong and he's deliberately deceiving you. I think he's so dumb 
I think it's just as likely that he, he's just so ill-informed, he thinks that Alberta is batteries and electric vehicles. He really is that stupid. Some people call him shameless O'Regan. I think that's probably an apt uh, phrase for him. And that's just what his friends have to say about him. The only reason Seamus O'Regan is in cabinet is because he was part of Justin Trudeau's wedding party. I'm surprised that the caterer isn't in cabinet, too. So we know all that. Trudeau and his cabinet hate Alberta oil. Yeah, we know that. Stephen Gilbo, the heritage minister who still sits in cabinet to talk about every other issue, too, he was literally charged, tried, convicted of a crime in his environmental extremism. He's a lawbreaker. His whole life has been dedicated to wiping out Alberta oil. That's why Trudeau canceled the Northern Gateway Pipeline and canceled the Energy East Pipeline and has delayed the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Let's be honest, it's never going to be built through British Columbia. Trudeau would never raise a hand against Gerald Butt's street gangs who explicitly say they'll block pipelines through violence. I mean, here's Gerald Butts himself talking about pipelines. So that's why we don't think it's up to us to decide whether there should be another, another route for a pipeline because um, the real alternative is not an alternative route, it's an alternative economy. Yeah, they hate oil, do you still not know that? Except that of course they don't quite hate oil. They certainly use a lot of it themselves. Private jets, for example. Uh, Trudeau himself sets the example and every two-bit cabinet minister copies him using private jets like you and I would use taxis and sending taxpayers the bill. Um, O'Regan is such a unique combination of vanity and stupidity, though. Um, he really is quite something. Look at this tweet he published on purpose. It's a glamour shot of him in a private jet at sundown, reading his notes, speaking in grave tones about walking the road of reconciliation together. What a great and noble white man coming on his private jet to help the little indigenous people below. There's still no clean drinking water on plenty of Indian reserves, but there's that gorgeous glamour shot of him in a jet. O'Regan was fired from that portfolio and given the job that no one in the entire Liberal cabinet wants. It's the worst job in any Trudeau government. Energy minister. Now, in a normal government, that is a great job. Uh, energy is Canada's most valuable export. It's Canada's high-tech job-creating companies. Uh, speaking of Indigenous people, it's the largest employer of Aboriginal workers in Canada. So what a great industry, what a great job to be Minister of. But under Trudeau, it's like being Minister of Defence. Everyone knows Trudeau hates the troops, so as Defence Minister, you really have to hate your own portfolio and the people in it. Same with the Energy Minister. So they gave it to the guy everyone in Cabinet thinks is the village idiot because they really don't care if he screws it up. Screwing it up is actually Trudeau's plan. So, O'Regan hates oil and gas, he hates pipelines, he thinks Alberta is about batteries and electric cars. Got it, yeah, <laughs> okay, but then look at this, look at this. We're investing $320 million in Newfoundland and Labrador's offshore workers. We believe in our workers, in this industry and in their future. This is about jobs, this is about ensuring a prosperous future for our offshore. You didn't use the word oil there, but that's what he means by offshore. Now hang on, you saw that they've all said Alberta has to phase out oil and gas. They just said Alberta has to decarbonize. They just killed three pipelines that would take export oil from Alberta to the world. But it's clear now, isn't it? Seamus O'Regan 
the IQ of 80 jet setter. He doesn't really hate oil, silly. Canada's burning just as much oil as we ever do. We're just importing more oil from America by rail, from Saudi Arabia by tanker ship. Trudeau's carbon tax doesn't touch those imports, just made in Alberta oil. Trudeau never hated oil. In fact, Trudeau's grandfather owned a chain of gas stations. It's the source of the Trudeau family's wealth. It's why no Trudeau has had to work for a living in nearly 100 years. Trudeau doesn't hate Alberta oil, people. He just hates Alberta. Don't ever forget that. Stay with us for more. Well, it was Ronald Reagan who quipped the government's approach to business is, if something's moving, tax it. If it's still moving, regulate it. When it stops moving, subsidize it. That seems to be Justin Trudeau's approach with oil, I think, after taxing and regulating it to death, at least in Alberta, Seamus O'Regan, perhaps the dumbest cabinet minister in the country, has announced a massive subsidy for oil, but only oil in O'Regan's region of Atlantic Canada. It's very strange because I thought we were supposed to decarbonize and have a net zero carbon future, don't you know? Well, compare that to the approach taken by Donald Trump in the United States, who says, drill, dig, mine, go for it, frack like crazy. And most recently, he signed a permit for the A2A cross-border rail project. That stands for Alaska to Alberta, a proposed $22 billion railway that would ship not just oil, but other commodities from the Canadian heartland in Alberta, through the Yukon, into Alaska, and out by their ports. Now, approving the permit is not the same as approving the project. It still has to go through some environmental assessments on the U.S. side, but would this project ever be allowed to live on the Canadian side? Joining us now via Skype is our friend, our Alberta Bureau Chief and our Chief Reporter, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Sheila, great to see you again. Hey, Ezra, thanks for having me on the show. Well, come on, it's my pleasure. And you, in many ways, are our oil and gas expert. Look, um, it's one thing for President Trump to say, yeah, guys, go for it, $22 billion rail, rail line, I'm all for it. Um, and I think that the U.S. side would probably approve it. Alaska is very pro-development for oil and gas and railway and forestry. That's the, the culture up there. Um, I, I don't think any problems would come on the U.S. side, but I have a tough time believing that uh, Justin Trudeau would permit a rail line like this in Canada. I do too, and I think this rail line has a long way to go, and a lot of liberal hurdles are in its way um, remaining because it does have to go through the environmental impact assessment, and that's done through Environment Canada. And it has to be found in the public interest, which is a very vague way of saying, do the Liberals like it or not? And this thing will have to go through the GBA plus process, which is the gender-based analysis plus pro process. So before Alberta is allowed to take advantage of 2,600 kilometers of track, a 21 
$2 billion construction project, something that will not just move oil, because this is a, a pipeline by rail, but other uh, fossil fuels through there, as well as food, which is great for Alaska to be able to access Alberta foodstuffs, because the cost of living is so expensive up there. Before all of that happens, we have to go through uh, former Environment Minister Catherine McKenna's process of making sure that no women and sexual minorities' feelings are hurt before mm -hmm. they can start construction. Yeah. Now, I note that uh, according to A2A, uh, the company itself, there will be 18,000 jobs. I mean, when you think about building a railway, some of that is easy terrain, but some of it is not. There's bridges, there's tunnels, there's engineering, there's construction. By the way, I am certain that a lot of that construction would be done by Indigenous Canadians, not just because I'm sure the railway would make those deals with local Indian bands, but that's who's living up there. So this would be an enormous, I mean, $22 billion to begin with uh, is more expensive than any of the proposed pipelines where the, uh, the Energy East pipeline, which was the most expensive one on the books, was $15.7 billion when it was nuked by Trudeau. So this, I mean, a $22 billion project the amount of families this will feed, the amount of families this will hire, and, and these are real jobs, not fake Serb don't work payments. Um, this, I mean, the Liberal government makes big press release announcements for $50,000 patronage type grants. A $22 billion project would be the, immediately the biggest infrastructure project in Canada and I am just as certain that it will be killed as the other projects I've named. Well, and what they are going to kill if they do indeed kill it is a marvel of modern engineering. We have to remember that this rail line will go places where roads are unable to be built. Uh, I remember just a couple of years ago, a gravel highway in the north was, you know, celebrated as something that we would never see. There are no year-round roads in some of these places. So getting food in and getting resources in is something that either only happens in the summer or happens by barge or is flown in. And the benefit to people along this rail line is going to be huge. And again, the Liberals could very well cancel it because it will be for all intents and purposes, a pipeline by rail and they just can't have that. Yeah. You know, um, I used to study oil a lot more carefully when I was uh, doing the ethical oil project as an NGO. I still follow uh, uh, a lot, of course, but I was really into the nitty gritty. And one of the things I learned was that under Canadian law, you can ship anything by rail. You can ship nuclear waste. You can ship oil. You can ship anything toxic or whatever, as long as you're containing it lawfully and properly, there is no hearing, there is no way to stop a certain thing being put on a train. So by the way, you can have nuclear materials, you could have missiles, you could have oil, of course, travel on any railway in Canada, and there is no environmental way to stop it, as long as you're following the law. And that's fine, there are no <laughs> nuclear accidents, oil derailments, are rare, they're more common than a pipeline accident, but um, we just take it for granted that pipeline, sorry, that, that railways take things. It's actually because they're immune 
to the kind of nitpicking that pipelines go through. That's why this is a brilliant idea, because once the railway is built, you can put anything on it. But the thing is, I think the liberals are wise to that. And although yeah. th this would be a huge benefit to the northern communities, it would be a huge benefit to agriculture, to mining, I think Trudeau and his people would say, yeah, what you really want is an oil pipeline on, on rails that we can't nitpick to death like we did with Northern Gateway, Energy East, Trans Mountain, uh, and the others that they've, they've killed. So I, I think that, I mean, just the construction aside, putting this into, I mean, I'm looking at the map. Canada is the greatest beneficiary of this railway. Yep. It is, there is much more of it in Canada than there is in the U.S. 22 billion of foreign money to build our infrastructure is a dream come true. Trudeau's going to kill it. I'm just telling you right now he's going to kill it. Well, of course, it's a net benefit to Alberta. And I'm, I'm curious to see how the conservatives, the official conservatives and otherwise, are going to respond um, to Trump once again stepping up and helping the Canadian oil patch because he's really the only one who's helping get projects done from Keystone XL to this. I did see that Jason Kenney came out and you know expressed um, gratitude for President Trump for approving the permit. Um, but, you know, I haven't heard a lot from the official conservatives in Ottawa, but maybe they could set aside their Trump bashing for once yeah. and realize um, how detrimental their constant Trump bashing is to us here in Alberta. Yeah. Um, you know, the Keystone XL pipeline, I maintain, will be the only oil yeah. pipeline built to Alberta as long as the Liberals are in office. I, I just simply believe that. Um, Trudeau and Gerald Butts uh, believed it was dead as a doornail because Obama was against it, Clinton was against it, and neither yep. of them imagined that Trump would win in 2016. So they said, oh, that's the pipeline we're okay with, they all yeah. said, assuming it was dead so no one would actually call them on their bluff. It was their way of proving they were open-minded. So they all said, yeah, we support the Keystone XL pipeline knowing that Al Gore, sorry, not I, I said Al Gore, well, he was against it, um, but uh, that Hillary Clinton was against it, that Obama was against it. Sorry, I mentioned Al Gore, he was against it, obviously. Uh, they just didn't count on Trump. So I think that's the only one that's going to be built. I maintain that although the Trans Mountain Pipeline is being busily built in Alberta and will probably have little problem in northern BC, when that expansion makes its way down to the lower mainland of Vancouver area, Burnaby, there's going to be riots, there's going to be eco-terrorists yep. bust in. All these riots and Antifa riots you see in Seattle, they're going to get on buses and come up to Burnaby, B.C. You're going to see thousands of Antifa-style terrorists, and you think Justin Trudeau's going to raise a finger to stop them? He'll probably be taking a knee with them. You know, we're going to see protest encampments. We're going to see foreign money just piling into the country. We know the Liberals have done nothing to stop it. Jason Kenney here in Alberta has mused about investigating the sources of the foreign funding. But nothing has been done substantially to cut off the ability of foreign money to flood in and influence Canadian politics. Yeah. So I think you are right. When this pipeline gets to somewhere near the lower mainland of B.C., we're going to see an absolute cease to construction, um, riots. We're going to see, uh, I think we're going to see violence yeah. because it's going to come down to 
people who are desperate to feed their families versus people who are receiving money to block that pipeline. And, um, I, you know, I can't see that Justin Trudeau is in any position or has the will to do anything about it. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, I first came across my favorite U.S. governor in South Dakota. Her name is Christine Noem, N-O-E-M. Yeah. And I was just a fan for a whole bunch of reasons, but um, some viewers might recall I did a, a couple of shows on her legislation called uh, Riot Boosting. And I had never heard that word before, but I read the legislation, a very short bill. It's anyone who boosts a riot, promotes it, organizes it, funds it, that they call that riot boosting, is on the hook for the financial damage of the riot, and it goes further, it allows private people to sue. You don't, you don't have to rely on uh, a prosecutor in a government to sue. Yeah. And you can sue for multiple. T so Kirsty Nome, uh, who has since gone on a national prominence, she co-hosted a, a rally with Donald Trump. I think she's amazing. Lately, uh, she has touted South Dakota as the freest state yeah. in the union in regards to pandemic panic. There is none in South Dakota. It's the freest state. She brought in that riot boosting legislation. I'm not sure what the state of the legislation is. I know she introduced it. That is something that Jason Kenney and every other provincial and territorial government must do. I know that's not enough. You need a prime minister that's going to enforce the law. You need an RCMP commissioner who's going to enforce the law. We have neither of those things right now. Um, you know what? I, I almost, and I'm sorry I'm rambling a bit here, Sheila. You tell me what you think. I'm almost reluctant to even say, hooray, look at this, because I am so certain this is stillborn. I am so certain that this company, uh, A2A Rail, has no idea what they're doing, and they're going to be destroyed as if they were some naive investor investing in Nigeria and, and thought that uh, there was the rule of law there. I think that this company is going to be killed if not by Trudeau, then by Trudeau's allies like Gerald Butts and Zipporah Berman. Sorry for the rant. No, I, I think you're absolutely right, especially when you see companies that have had to shelve pipeline projects. It, it is not just shelving pipeline projects like Energy East. TransCanada had to go on and change their name to remove the name Canada from their name because of the stigma. It's now called TC Energy because there's a certain stigma in doing business in Canada, as in you can't even do business at all. So, you know, Godspeed to this rail company. I appreciate their um, seeing the potential in Alberta, but I think they're in for a wild ride, and I don't know if they know what they just signed up for because they, I, I cannot anticipate even a decision coming down on this for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, you know, Lauren Gunter was on the show the other day. He reminded me that tech on their yep. frontier mine they put a billion dollars into and they just walked away they said yeah no thanks let me just read in closing uh, a little comment from the founder of a2a a rail sean mccoshan i gotta find out a little bit more about him he sounds like a well-intentioned hail fellow well-met friendly american who's about to be liberated of a billion dollars by um the trudeau butts uh, mob. Let me just say what he says. He says, this is a world-class infrastructure project that will generate more than 18,000 jobs for Canadian workers at a time when they are most needed. 
provide a new, more efficient route for trans-Pacific shipping, and thereby link Alberta to world markets. And I'm just thinking, Sean, you didn't mention, mention gender identity there. Sean, you didn't mention green energy or taking climate action or um, where's your racial prism. You didn't mention, I mention racialized workers, Sean. Sean, it sounds like you're living in the 20th century, not the woke 21st century. Uh, I like this guy, but I'm very sad for him. He's about to be liberated of a lot of his money and his time by some bad faith dealers. Last word to you, Sheila. Sean just listed all the reasons the Liberals are going to stand in the way of this project, that it provides well-paying jobs for Alberta, that it will move an Alberta product, and that it will get Alberta market access to world markets. Those are three big reasons why the Liberals are going to say no. You know, that is very sad, and it's very true. Um, I hope that you're wrong, but I know that you're right. Sheila Gunnar-Reed, thanks for joining us today. All right, there you have it, Sheila Gunnarid, our favorite person, chief reporter, Alberta Bureau Chief, and she is unfortunately dead right on this one, friends. Stay with us more ahead. On my monologue today about a Prius driver caught in protest, David writes, Cops arrested the Prius driver for not being killed. Um, you know what? If you are in a mob, you've got to keep on driving. That mob will tear you to pieces. I'm sorry. We've just seen that enough, haven't we? CGH says, ridiculous. What about the people obstructing and holding this person hostage and not letting him go freely and assaulting him in his car? Look, that is what the blue state America wants. Sanctuary cities, defunding police, Abolish police, George Soros, DAs who don't charge for assaults on police. And really, would you want to be a cop risking your life? For what? To be on a cell phone video and called racist? Nah, that's the future that they want for all America, not just the blue states. Wes writes, there's a mass exit from California right now with many fleeing to Texas. Hopefully they do not bring their poisonous liberal ideas with them. But of course they will. Of course they will. <laughs> I think that's the liberal way. I, um, it makes me sad. Texas is so amazing. I think the spirit of Texas today was the spirit of California 50 years ago, of unbridled opportunity, of progress, of science, of people power. I mean, California really was the dream. It was the most American of the American states. Now it's becoming a shell, like Detroit was the most American of American cities a hundred years ago. It's hard to believe when you see the burnt out husks of so many abandoned buildings that Detroit once had the highest industrial wage in the United States. We can't even believe that now. But it was the place that everyone wanted to go. It was culturally amazing too. Motor City, Motown. Things can change. Politics can kill a place. If you don't believe me, look at Venezuela once the world's fourth richest country. Well, my friends, that's our show for today. I'm excited about tomorrow. We've got regular shows for you, but it's going to be the first Trump-Biden debate. I'm actually a little bit surprised that Joe Biden hasn't called in sick saying, <coughs> I've got the COVID, i got to skip it. Maybe we'll learn that tomorrow morning. Anyways, we'll have a live stream coverage of that. I hope you join us tomorrow night. 
I'll see you tomorrow. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.